that would actually be in service of your growth and your professional development and your career and your confidence to knowingly and willingly and voluntarily go towards a hard thing. I think it's when we're willing to understand that hard doesn't mean impossible and we're actually willing to venture in and take the risk to find out if the hard thing is or isn't impossible like when we're willing to be brave enough to do that that's when our growth really like starts to snowball welcome to the art of speaking up a podcast that helps professional women access the limitless potential that lies within them i'm your host jessica guzik And my mission is to help you find that spark inside you that has the power to transform your career in ways you may not have thought possible. I'm so excited that you're here. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Jess. I'm the host of this podcast, and I used to have a career in the 9 to 5 space, and now I am a career coach for women in the 9 to 5 space. And on this show and in the work that I do, I help women build confidence and find their voice and really get ready to lead and to show up and take up space in a way that they haven't before. It is the most fun, delicious work, and it makes me smile to think about it, and I feel very lucky that I get to do it. And today's episode is all about helping you jump into meetings. I know that it can be really, really hard to be part of a dynamic dialogue of many people talking when you are trying to jump in and at the same time when you're struggling with feeling shy, maybe you have some anxiety about speaking up and getting your voice in the mix, that can be a really, really hard hurdle to overcome. And the way that I suggest you overcome it is to do it in phases and to give yourself small markers or milestones that you can test out and get comfortable with as you build to like full-blown participation in the meeting. And that's what I'm going to be sharing with you today. I'm going to be sharing three skills, three techniques that you can do to help jump in. And I really suggest that you try these. So what is more important than listening to this is to go out and give it a whirl. I am so, so excited. Before I dive in, I want to celebrate a client win. So I want to celebrate wins on, you know, on the episodes and in my Facebook group, not just clients, but also community wins. And so I'm going to be asking you to share some of your wins in the Facebook group. But today I'm celebrating a client win, and I'm celebrating a client getting pulled into a meeting with a C-level executive and being able to calmly and confidently contribute meaningful content and information in a meeting that previously would have felt very difficult. This is such an exciting milestone, and I am celebrating her. And if you are listening to this thinking, I could never do that, I would never be able to get pulled into a meeting like that and contribute, If you are willing to put in the effort and if you are willing to do it in steps and allow your growth to happen sequentially, you absolutely can. And what I'm going to share with you today is going to help you build some of those foundational skills. So I am so, so, so excited. Before I dive in, if you're new here, head into the show notes to find my free resources link 
which takes you to my website where you can get my free ebook on assertiveness, my free course on executive presence, and you will also find the free Facebook group, which I would love for you to join. All right, now it's time to get into the main topic for today's episode, which is how to get your voice out in meetings and how to enter into a dynamic conversation when you struggle with speaking up and maybe you feel shy, maybe you feel anxious. All of these things are okay. They're not insurmountable obstacles. They definitely require you to be brave and bold and gritty, and they definitely sort of require you to learn how to be in these challenging moments and draw on a new kind of strength that helps you shift how you show up in the moment. But that's not impossible. I actually wrote this (laughs) in my notebook the other day as like I was doing my own mindset work and struggling with my own stuff. The sentence that I wrote down that made me feel so, so at peace and was so helpful for my brain and for my mindset, I wrote, this is hard, but not impossible. And that just for me, like represented not only like things that I'm working on and growing on, but it really was so representative of what you might be experiencing. And I think so often you get in your own way because it's hard. And our brains go from hard to impossible. And because something's hard, we just start to think, well, that could never happen. And I think it's when we're willing to understand that hard doesn't mean impossible. And we're actually willing to venture in and take the risk to find out if the hard thing is or isn't impossible. Like when we're willing to be brave enough to do that, that's when our growth really like starts to snowball. And so as you think about getting your voice out there in meetings, I want you to think about the fact that it's hard but not impossible. And I really also encourage you to think about your relationship with hard things. What do you want your relationship with hard things to be? And it can be very empowering to make an explicit decision there and live by that decision. And that doesn't mean that you need to like push yourself like crazy and sort of like exert yourself and exert effort in a way that is depleting and exhausting. But it does mean that you explore where are places in your life where you could willingly go into a hard thing and where it would actually be in service of your growth and your professional development and your career and your confidence to knowingly and willingly and voluntarily go towards a hard thing. That is what I'm asking you to do in this episode. I'm asking you to go towards the hard thing of speaking up in a meeting when it feels really, really difficult, and I'm giving you tools to make it easier. So when you are in a meeting and there's a dynamic conversation happening, what you will find happening often is because you want to say the quote unquote right thing, you might find yourself wanting to like script it in your head and wanting to think about what you're gonna say and already map it out internally in your mind before you even say it. And you can do that if you're preparing to share information. If you're doing a presentation, you can prepare in advance. But in a dynamic conversation in a room, you can't keep up with the pace of the conversation and try to script what you're saying because the conversation moves faster. So there is an element of like, you have to actually be willing to let go of the script, release the script and just jump into the conversation. And that can be really, really hard because you don't get to plan it and you just have to hop in there and it requires a trust and it requires a surrender. And that can feel really, really scary. 
And so what I suggest you do and what I will often guide people to do is to think about the challenge of jumping into a dynamic conversation as a two-part challenge. So there are two things that you're trying to accomplish at the same time, and I'm going to help you tackle them separately so that the overall task of jumping in feels easier. So when you're jumping into a dynamic conversation, there are two things about it that are hard. There are two barriers that you're dealing with. Barrier number one is the challenge of having to think of something on the spot and the challenge of having to be in the moment and quote unquote unscripted. That's challenge number one, having to pull the information to be in that conversation. And you wanna share something useful. You wanna share something insightful, right? You want it to be good. And so the challenge is how do you get there when you don't have time to pre-plan it and you just have to surrender to the moment and enter into the conversation. Challenge number two, which I suggest you think of as separate, is the challenge of being vulnerable, exposing yourself, speaking, having your voice be heard. And both of these challenges, the challenge of, you know, saying something unscripted and the challenge of being seen and being vulnerable, both of those challenges make each other harder, right? They kind of amplify one another because when you feel vulnerable and scared for your voice to be seen, then that can increase the pressure that you feel to share something that sounds really, really good. So it makes it harder to surrender and jump in unscripted because you are worried about your own vulnerability and you're trying to protect your own vulnerability by saying the perfect thing, but you think that in order to say the perfect thing, it has to be really scripted. And so you have troubles jumping in dynamically. And likewise, when you have troubles jumping in dynamically and you have troubles with the problem of sharing something unscripted, that can make you feel more vulnerable. It can heighten your vulnerability. So you're facing this dual challenge of exposing yourself and your voice and exposing your ideas and trying to pull ideas on the spot to share with people. And sometimes when you are facing both of those challenges at once, they combine together in a way that can feel very, very overwhelming, and it can be too much to deal with at once, and it can cause you to shut down. And this happens a lot when you're in a meeting and you want to contribute, and it's your intention to contribute, but you find yourself being quiet over and over and over again. Sometimes what's happening is the challenge of getting past your vulnerability and learning to think on the spot and be unscripted. Trying to do those two things all at once, all in one fell swoop, is too much and it's overwhelming. And so that's why I suggest what you do is break it down into smaller chunks. So one of the most powerful things you can do to get your voice out there in a room when you're struggling to be part of that dynamic conversation is instead of trying to be like unscripted and share something really like smart and insightful and also practicing just like speaking and being vulnerable and sharing your voice both at the same time because they're very hard to do together. What I suggest you do is only practice speaking, only practice getting your voice out and don't focus on trying to think dynamically and speak like in an unscripted way at the same time. Now, you might be thinking, Jess, that sounds nonsensical because how would I jump into a conversation and share my voice, but then not practice sharing something like unscripted? I don't have time to script what I'm saying. 
So I want to share three things that you can do in a meeting, three communication techniques that help you jump into a conversation, but they don't require you to generate your own ideas. So part of why speaking dynamically, speaking in an unscripted way can be so challenging is because you are coming up with ideas from scratch. You are thinking deeply in the moment, and it can be really hard to do that when you're nervous. And so what I'm helping you do is I'm giving you techniques um, to jump into the conversation and to speak up that don't require you to generate original ideas and original thinking. And this is going to make sense after you hear me explain them to you. But what this is going to allow you to do is you're going to have a way to jump into the conversation that doesn't require you to think so much and come up with such an amazing idea. It's just going to be a simple way to jump into the conversation. That way you can just focus on getting your voice out there. Just focus on speaking up. Just focus on jumping into the conversation. You do that enough times and eventually it does become more comfortable. And as it becomes more comfortable, that frees up space in your mind for then you to get better at speaking in a way that's unscripted and speaking in a way that's dynamic. So I'm going to walk you through three ways to jump into the conversation to help you do this. And I suggest just picking one, picking the one that feels most organic and feels simplest to you and finding places where you can try it out. It is so important to go from like consuming information into action because confidence happens when we do something and we have the embodied experience of moving through something that is hard. Every time we do that, confidence is like a layer cake. And every time we have another experience where we go out and do something, it's like we've added another layer onto the cake. And so it's really important not just to listen to these things, but to start building those layers and those layers happen through action. Okay, so here are the three skills that I'm going to teach you three ways to speak in a meeting that don't require you to do like heavy thinking and don't require you to come up with new and original ideas or engage heavily and deeply with the subject matter of the meeting. These are quick wins. These are ways that you can speak up right away. And they are three things. The first one is synthesis. The second one is probing. And the third one is facilitation. And the reason that I'm laughing is because these words are so nerdy and like I feel my nerdiness like emanating. I don't know. I don't know if you're a nerd or like if you identify with being a nerd, but I do. And I think the thing that's like funny about nerds and obviously like there's all different kinds of nerds, right? Like I'm not like nothing against this. I'm not like a Star Wars kind of nerd. I'm more of like I like Excel. (laughs) like that kind of nerd like I like spreadsheets like that sort of nerdiness but anyway the reason I'm laughing is because like I feel like sometimes when you're a nerd you exude your nerdiness without even trying like you can feel it seeping out of your pores and when I said synthesis probing and facilitation I could feel my nerdiness like oozing I could feel it oozing and I was like oh my gosh it's oozing but you know what I'm not gonna try to contain it because like there's no point right it's just gonna come out Anyway, I'm going to walk you through each of those and how to do them, and then I suggest that you pick one and give it a try. So the first skill is synthesis. Synthesis is summarizing 
what someone else has said. Now, what synthesis means is you summarize what someone else has said at a higher level of detail, which means that you're not sharing as much as information as they shared, but you are capturing the core points. And this is such a fantastic way for you to practice getting your voice out. Um, and it's because there's like a little bit of a ninja sneakster level thing happening when you do synthesis. If you're going to synthesize what someone else is sharing, you have to listen very carefully to what it is they're sharing. And if you task your brain with really focusing on what that person is sharing, because you know you're going to synthesize it and summarize it, it's very hard to be like worried and overthinking because you need to use your thinking capacity to focus on what they're saying so you can synthesize it. So it actually gets you out of your head because you're like, well, I need to listen to what they're saying. So like I can't be like worrying and like spinning in my head or I'm going to miss what they're saying. So it has the benefit of taking you out of your head and cueing your mind up of like, okay, we're listening, we're paying attention, we want to hear what this person is saying so that we can play it back to them. And so the way that synthesis works is it's very simple. You turn down your own mind chatter, you listen to what someone is saying, and then you play it back for them or for the other people in the room, depending on the size of the meeting. This is such a good thing to do because it makes you look smart, even though you are not coming up with an original idea. This is really, really, really important. Sometimes with communication, we feel like if we're repeating something or we're not coming up with something original, we think it's not good. We think we're not going to sound smart. But actually, when you synthesize what someone else has said, you clarify it for the whole room and everyone's just like, yes, thank you for summarizing that. Like, I thought that's what I heard and now I know I heard it right. And it's it brings this beautiful clarity to people. So you end up looking really good and really smart, even though you didn't come up with your own original idea. So what I want you to do is I want you to notice when you're in meetings, if someone is sharing something that feels a little bit complicated and it feels like maybe not everyone caught it. You know, like we're listening, but what they're sharing is complex and maybe not everyone understood it. That is the perfect place to practice synthesis. I want you to listen carefully to what the person is saying and I want you to summarize in one simple sentence what you think you just heard, and I want you to play it back and say, am I hearing you correctly, that it's A, B, and C. So I can give you a really, really concrete example. So let's say you're in a meeting with <laughs> Matilda, and Matilda says, Okay, so the first thing that we're going to do as part of this plan is that we're going to be gathering information from all of the cohorts of people, and then we're going to take that information and create a report, and then we're going to distribute the report, and we're going to give the report to everyone on the team. And so you would jump in and say, Matilda, am I hearing you right? We're going to start by speaking with everyone, then we're going to generate a report, then we're going to distribute it to the team. Boom. Then Matilda's going to say, yep. And your brain might be like, you idiot, why are you repeating back what she said? Everyone just heard what she said. Why are you being repetitive? It's redundant. People don't need to hear it. Your brain is wrong. 
we need clarity, especially if someone's sharing something that has a lot of steps that someone might have missed. It is really, really helpful to play something back. And like I said before, it's a really good way for you to enter into the conversation because it doesn't require you to use that harder muscle of generating your own idea from scratch. You get to lean on an easier mental muscle which is listening closely to what someone is saying and playing it back. Now, you still have to speak up and be brave and push yourself and use your voice, but this is not going to be as hard or as mentally demanding as coming up with your own thing. And once you do this once or twice, it's going to get easier and easier. So that is the first one, synthesis. The second one is probing. (laughs) And if synthesis sounds scary to you, The second and third ones that I'm giving you are actually easier. So probing is easier than synthesis and requires less mental effort. I feel like I might have scared you off (laughs) a little bit because synthesis is the hardest of the three, but it's really powerful and it's really important. So I, I definitely suggest that you try it and it's a really beautiful way to practice taking up space. Um, But probing, the second one, is a little bit easier. So probing is just when you hear something someone says and you ask them a question about it to probe them to go deeper. This is so wonderful because you can literally, like, you can just memorize these questions and you can jump in and ask these questions. And I think, you know, what's important, though, like, if you're going to you know, like ask a pre-planned question or whatever, like you do want it to feel natural and organic. And so if you're going to probe someone to share information, I really suggest that you try to feel in your body and like in your spirit, like feel into what are you curious about? Because then if you're naturally curious, then when you ask a probing question, it's going to be more, it's going to be more organic and authentic versus like forcing yourself to ask a question. However, I think forcing yourself is not a bad thing. Like when you are trying to practice your voice and get your voice out there, like do what you need to do. You know what I mean? Like do what you need to do. It doesn't have to be perfectly authentic and amazing and organic. Like do the thing, say the words. That's what's most important. And I'm going to give you examples of probing questions You can literally write them down and start using them in whatever meeting you have next. Here are some examples of probing questions. An example of a probing question is, how did you come up with that? Another one is, were there other options that you considered? Another probing question is, have you tried that before? A probing question should come from a place of curiosity and it should prompt the person who is sharing to share more about their thought process with you. This, again, is a really productive way to participate in a meeting, even though you're not generating the information, because often there are really important insights that are beneath the surface of what people are sharing. And when you probe someone and you say, how did you come up with that? You're going to learn a lot of interesting things that very often end up being very useful for purposes of the meeting. And if you want to practice probing, like I said before, my best suggestion to you is really tap in and tune into your own curiosity. If someone says something and part of you goes like, huh, like that, I've never heard that before, or like, huh, that's so interesting. Something in you has been stirred, right? Like when our curiosity has been stirred, we feel this feeling inside like, 
oh, like, I, I want to know more. It's like an awakening, right? We're like, whoa, like, what? Like, tell me more about that. So I want you to pay attention for that feeling because that feeling can lead you into asking that question. And when you speak up and you probe from a place of having a genuine feeling of curiosity, you're like, I really want to know. It's easier to jump in because you feel compelled to jump in because you want to know more. And when you want to jump in, you want to know more. It gives you like a force that is pushing you to jump into the conversation that helps counteract the part of you that doesn't want to speak up and that is afraid to speak up. So you can think of curiosity as an antidote to quietness or shyness because curiosity is this little thing in you that's like, I want to know, please ask, right? And when you have that feeling of like, oh, I want to know, it's then a lot easier to push past the part of you that's saying, don't speak up, it's too hard to share your voice. And so when you feel into like really wanting to know, it'll push you to ask the question. It's sort of like, like, let's say you, this is like a weird example, but like, let's say you come back to your house at the end of the day and like your house has been like blown up to the ground and there's just like a pile of dust and there's like someone standing there and it looks like they've been standing there for a while. Like you were going to ask that person what happened to your house because you want to know what happened to your house, right? Like even if you're shy or introverted, you need to know what happened to your house. So your need for the information has eclipsed the part of you that is like not wanting to, you know, be emotionally vulnerable or speak up or share their voice. And so that's what curiosity does. It compels you out of your shell. When you think of coming out of your shell, one of the most empowering ways to come out of your shell is to like want to come out of it and be like, I want to know this information. So therefore, I am like shooting myself out of my shell because I really want to know. That's what curiosity is. It's like this superpower elixir that helps you shoot yourself out of your shell because it comes from this genuine place of wanting to know. So that is the second one. That is probing questions. And to summarize the examples of probing questions that you can try, number one is, how did you come up with that? Number two is, were there other options you considered? Number three is, have you tried that before? And you, I mean, you don't even really need to memorize these. The point of a probing question is, what else do you want to know about what that person shared and ask? And it's it can be as simple as that. And Again, it creates value in the meeting. It's not like these things that I'm telling you to do, I don't want you to think that, you know, because at the beginning of this episode, I was saying like, oh, these are, you're not sharing original ideas. So like, it's easier to get your voice in the meeting. Just because these aren't original ideas doesn't mean they're less valuable. And in fact, sometimes these things are more valuable because they surface really, really important information. So know that when you're doing these things, you are not going to be sounding like you don't know what you're doing or like you're not smart. You're going to be sounding very mature in that room because so much of how things get done are by clarifying information and uncovering information that's already there, right? We don't always need new information and new ideas. We also need the existing ideas to be made clearer, and we need to make sure that we're surfacing all of the relevant information underneath the existing ideas. And that's what synthesis and probing does. 
And now it's time for the third one. This one is just a really good one because it's powerful and it's easy and it's different. And I suggest that you try it. And the third one is facilitation. Facilitation is when you participate in a conversation in a way where you are not actually adding new information. However, the thing that you're saying is helping everyone in that conversation move forward. So I'll give you a really, really clear example of facilitation. Let's say you're in a meeting and someone is sharing research. And like, let's just say the research, I'm just making this up. Let's just say the research is on like what the customers of your company prefer in terms of product features. And you look at the research and you can see that like the market or like what customers prefer is like split between two different features that is that are like the most important features to customers. Like, I'll just make this up. Like, let's say you're a beverage company and you wanna know, do customers prefer taste or calorie content? And you find it split. Some customers prefer taste and some prefer calorie content. And like, for whatever reason, like you can't do both in the beverage, in the specific beverage you're making. It's either gonna taste good or it's gonna be low calorie. And so someone shares this data that shows, hey, like half of customers prefer it to taste good and half prefer low calorie. And everyone's looking at this data. Facilitating would be saying to everyone, so what do we all think? Or you could say, looks like we have a decision to make. Or you could say, looks like we have options that we need to evaluate. Now, in some ways, you might feel like you're stating the obvious, like, of course, we have a decision to make. Of course, we have options that we need to evaluate, right? Like, that's why we're looking at the data, right? It feels so obvious. But it's so easy for our brains to get overwhelmed, to get sidetracked. And when you have someone facilitating and saying, okay, here's what needs to happen next, it's sort of like you're a tour guide, right? And um, I'm thinking of like the Hollywood like hop on hop off bus tours because I I live in LA I live in Hollywood I'm thinking of those buses that drive around where they show people like the LA landmarks and like also they show people like where the famous people live like where the stars live and I'm thinking of how like the person who is the tour guide for the hop on hop off bus will like tell everyone like look on the right right. And then everyone's like, ooh, and like everyone on the bus like pivots and like looks to the right and like looks at the site. And then the tour guide's like, now look to the left and everyone looks to the left. And it's helpful for the people on the bus because there's so many things to look at. There's so many buildings. There's so many landmarks. There's so many houses or whatever. And so when you're on the tour, it's very comforting for your brain to have that tour guide being like, look over here. And then look over here and then look over here. It's nice. You're like, okay, cool. I know what to look at. And when you facilitate and when you direct everyone in the room and you sort of tell them, okay, it looks like we need to make a decision or it looks like our customers are split in terms of their preferences or what do we all think of this data? You're pointing everyone. You're being like the tour guide, right? You're like, everyone, look on the right. (laughs) There's a decision that needs to be made. And then everyone's brains are like, oh, yeah, we do need to make a decision. It just brings an extra level of clarity, and it pushes the conversation forward because what happens sometimes, I'm sure you've been in meetings where this has happened, 
is like it just gets stuck and it goes in circles and it doesn't go forward, right? But when you have people in the room facilitating, what's really happening is you're catalyzing progress. And you're not catalyzing progress by being the person who has the answer. So you're not saying like, okay, I've solved the customer problem and you know, like now we know what we're gonna do. You're actually just pointing out what the whole group needs to do. You're guiding the group to what needs to happen. And this doesn't require you to think of a new idea on the spot and it doesn't require you to have the answer. It just requires you to tell everyone what really needs to happen next. And so you can think of facilitation as making an observation about what needs to happen in the room and pointing everyone towards what needs to happen next. And again, you can take these examples with you, the example of like, looks like we have a decision to make, or you can say, what do we think of this? Or you can say, looks like we have options that we need to evaluate. Again, you're not evaluating, but you're focusing everyone on that. And if your mind says, well, like, no, but like, I should just be giving the answer. I want you to understand that that is not like, I think sometimes, you know, earlier in our careers, we get so conditioned to think, well, you have to just work and work and work and have the answer and get the answer and do the output. And what you begin, what you will realize or you begin to realize as you mature is that it's not always about having the answer and doing the work. Of course, that's important and that's part of it. But leading is actually just coaxing results to happen however they might happen. So you don't have to be the person answering the question if you can get the entire room to answer the question. If you can get the entire room to answer the question, that is a more powerful skill than you answering the question, just like a CEO can't run the company. They don't have the skills of all the people on their C-suite, but they know how to coax their C-suite. Coax is like a weird word, but whatever. They know how to coax the C-suite to do what they need them to do. That's what you're doing in the room when you're like, hey, everyone, looks like we have a decision to make. You're moving everyone all in the direction that they need to go to, right? It's like everyone's like a big school of fish, but they're all like swimming in different directions and chaotically. And you're like coordinating all the fish and you're like, everyone, we're coming this way, right? Just like the tour guide on the hop on, hop off bus is like, everyone, we're looking to the left and now we're looking to the right. That is fundamentally like what a leader is doing most of the time is being the tour guide that's saying, look to the right, look to the left, because that is how you get things done when you're the one leading other people to get things done. So if you're thinking like, well, Jess, like I feel like I should have the answer or I feel like that's not enough to contribute or like that's a weird thing to contribute, I really want you to understand that it's not always about having the answer. It's not always about like doing the output. It's sometimes about being the catalyst of the result. If you can make a result happen, it doesn't matter how you made it happen. If the result that you catalyzed came from other people's minds and brains and thinking, but you catalyzed it, you get credit for it, right? That is why as a leader, you get credit for what your team does, even though you didn't do it. And of course, they still get credit for it too. But I really encourage you to get out of this mentality of like, I can only speak if I have the answer. Because what I want you to think about is we're just trying to get results. What role do I play in catalyzing those results? And listen, if you see the data in that room that I was talking about where like the customers are split two ways and you have like a genius insight 
and you're like, oh, okay, I know what to share. I see the answer to this. Of course you would share that, right? Because that will help get results. But what I want you to see is that that is not the only way to get results. There are far more powerful ways to get results that don't just come from you, but they come from how you interact with the people around you. So to bring this home with facilitating, facilitating is about making an observation about what's happening in the meeting that points everyone in the meeting to what needs to happen next in the meeting. Looks like we need to make a decision. Looks like we're gonna need more time to talk about this. Looks like we have an unanticipated obstacle that we have to solve. Looks like we're going to have to change the direction of this project, right? If you want to like really build this muscle, the phrase looks like is really helpful, right? Because it's going to remind your brain, oh, I'm reflecting back to everyone what we found and what it means we need to do next. So to summarize the three skills for you and to allow my nerdiness to further seep out of my nerdy pores, (laughs) the three skills are synthesizing which is when you listen closely to what someone has shared and you play it back for purposes of clarifying it for yourself, for the person who shared it, and for the room. That is synthesis. The second one is probe. This is where you ask a question that is intended to either get more information or to encourage the person who shared the information to take you deeper into their thought process. And when you're probing, I suggest that you allow yourself to be led by curiosity because that will help you get out of your shell in an empowering way. And lastly, facilitation. Facilitation is where you share an observation that helps catalyze the meeting and move the group forward. Now, all of these take the burden off of you when it comes to having to think of an original idea on the spot. And they pretty much only require you to just share your voice, share a simple question, share a simple observation, right? They're simpler than adding more content to a dynamic conversation, but they do still require you to have the vulnerability to share your voice, to speak up, to take up more space in the room. And what I want to remind you, which is so, so, so important, is that just because something feels uncomfortable, just because your body gets small, just because there's a part of you that's saying you can't speak, you're not good at it, that part of you doesn't have to dictate your behavior all of the time, and it certainly doesn't have to dictate your behavior for the future of your career. You have the ability to make the choice to move towards the hard thing, the hard but not impossible thing. You have the option, which is I know so hard to do, but also very empowering to realize that you have the option to willingly say, I am moving into discomfort. I am making the choice to go into discomfort and it's hard and it can be scary and your brain might totally assault you after and be like yelling at you that like, oh my God, that was awful. Why did you say that? I know that this stuff is hard, but this is where the process of finding your voice will inevitably land no matter how much stuff you consume or listen to. You will find yourself in a moment where you just have to do the thing that feels different and feels new and feels hard. But that is also the action 
that is going to prove to you that you are strong and that is going to lay the seeds of your confidence because you will have the knowing that you were able to do something that you thought you couldn't do before. And once you start doing things that you thought you couldn't do before, your perception of yourself changes because you see that a lot of the things that you thought that you couldn't do you were actually holding yourself back from doing and that if you're willing to be uncomfortable and brave and be in the growth process and share your voice and be vulnerable, that you actually can do those things. And so my encouragement to you is to pick one of these three, start practicing it and celebrate yourself for trying. Celebrate yourself regardless of the outcome. When you are early on in trying to build comfort with your voice, do not get hung up in sounding perfect. This is the same exact process I'm going through in my theater classes that I'm taking right now. I have been talking about this on the show. I am studying clown. I'm a little bit embarrassed about it because you might think that I'm really weird. But anyway, part of being able to like perform for people is like before we even learned how to be funny and how to make people laugh, we literally just learned how to fail, how to be bad, and just how to like just do things, just like get in front of people and do things even if they're not funny because it's too much for us. It's too hard for our minds and our bodies and our spirits to focus on being funny and getting out of our comfort zone at the same time. It's too much effort to like have your content, have your thing be so funny and to be dealing with all the fear of like performing for people. So what we learned is just do it bad. Let's just do it bad for a while so we can all loosen up. And then through that process, we slowly eased into a place where we were able to start getting better at the content, right? And really understanding how do I perform? How do I connect with this audience? And it's the same for you. If you try to focus on like getting the words perfect and getting it right while you're focusing on just getting comfortable and and getting the words out there, it's too much. So you really want to just get those reps in, get your voice out there, get speaking, build comfort with your voice before you're too preoccupied with how the words sound. And that's why I'm giving you these tools because they require the least amount of like new thinking and original thought. And so you can be the least preoccupied with the words when you're using these three tools that I shared with you. I hope, hope, hope that this helped you. If this is something that you want to do more of and it feels like hard to do it on your own, this is what I guide my clients through. So in the work that I do, we start with your voice and we start with helping you get comfortable and build just basic comfort with your voice so that when you're in meetings, you don't have as much of that physical discomfort and some of those anxious thoughts stopping you from speaking. And then from that place, once you're a little bit more comfortable and speaking more freely and feeling stronger and having wins, then we start to build your confidence from there, from the inside out. And ultimately, through that process, then what inevitably happens with a lot of the women I support is then they finally see that with the confidence that you have, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I kind of do want that bigger role, right? Like I do want more. And the work on your voice and your confidence 
it begins to feed into your career path and you're really able to imagine more for yourself because you've seen yourself change and you're like, oh, I can be in the room. I can participate. I can handle that. I can have a voice. I can lead. And then when you can do all those things, suddenly you're like, wait, why wouldn't I want more? <laughs> right? Like, why wouldn't you? And so that is the work that I do. And if that's something you want to work with me on, I would love to connect with you. And I will link my website below where you can get in touch to learn more. And if you want to go deeper, but you aren't quite ready for that, check out my free resources. I will also link those below. And with that, I'm closing out. And I'm so happy that you're here. And I feel really grateful and really thankful for this show for this platform, for the work that I do, for anyone who's in the community, even like, you know, I interact with people in the community and people will like reach out to me and it's so exciting. And I'm also just grateful for those of you who are listening who I haven't gotten a chance to meet and are just benefiting from this information and growing. And I hope that you can take this and use it for your own career. And I hope that the changes that you make in your own career, you eventually trickle those changes down onto other people. Part of the reason I think, I mean, I have a lot of reasons for why I think it's so important for more women to be leading and women to be in executive positions. But part of the reason that I do this work and like one of my big whys behind it is that we need more leaders who are very compassionate and very empathetic and very high EQ. Because when you have a leader who is deeply sensitive and empathetic and really understands other humans and how to be a good guide to other humans, the experience that you create for your team or for your organization is really, really special. And when you're leading and your people have you as their leader, they experience fewer of the anxieties and hard things that you experienced. Because often in a professional environment, our anxieties and fears get amplified when we don't feel supported by management and by the people around. And when you become management and you become the leader, you get to decide how you want your people to feel. And you get to decide how much comfort and support and safety you want to offer to your people. And the more you offer them, the easier it's going to be for them to get past their fears and their anxieties. So the work that you do on yourself and what you accomplish in your career, it's so much bigger than just you. It goes so much farther than you. It will impact people's lives. And that's why this is so important. And that's why it's so important for you to do the work uh, from a place of compassion for yourself so that when you're leading, you lead from a place of compassion and you create that space for other people to see that like it's okay if it's hard to speak up, it's okay if they feel anxious, it's okay if they feel shy, it's okay if they're struggling with these things, and you create a space for them to actually evolve through that so that they can feel stronger in their voice. And it's going to happen for them a lot faster when you create that space, but it starts with you. It starts with you first going through your own process, and then once you've gone through your own process, you feel confident enough to step up and lead, and as you gain influence and authority and power, you use that power to enact positive change and to create changes that are really, 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 really needed, like desperately. So this stuff is important. And I'll close off with that. I'm wishing you an amazing week. I'll put my contact information below if you want to reach out. And that's all. I'm going to sign off and I'll catch you next week. All right. Bye-bye.